When your main character is called Fool, you know you're not in for a movie that's Hollywood sharp. And that's the case with this one. Because tonight, I'm going to be reviewing the 1991 horror movie, The People Under the Stairs. So yeah, a 1991 Wes Craven movie. You know Wes is a horror scion. He is the one that started um, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and provided a lot of work and rather a filmic prison, in my view, to Robert Englund, who's a better actor than that. But anyway, great movies and so is this. Although people call this a, a horror comedy and I don't think it is. I think it has a sense of oddness which comes out in nervous laughter in people and the great thing about this movie is not that it's got loads of gore and uh, you know lots of um, lots of uh, frights and scares and jumps in that way but it's a bit of a thriller movie and the great thing about this movie are the performances in it. The plot's really simple, and it's based on uh, an actual story from Los Angeles in 1970, um, in which two burglars broke into a house and discovered two children um, locked away by their parents in the basement. So this is a very similar plot. You have um, a, a, a child, Poindexter Williams, called Fool by his family, He's in, in a ghetto where, where times are hard and there's not very much money around. And there is a large house peopled and housed, housing two people, the Robesons, who are their landlords. And they have quite a lot of the property around the area. They're rich. They're believed to be a married couple. They live in there alone. And they they have a daughter, though, called Alice. Or do they? There are rumours, and also rumours, that they call themselves Mummy and Daddy. So, things are a bit odd right from the beginning here. Well, his associate, Leroy, played by Ving Rhames, in a very kind of laconic and laid-back way, he's got a lovely line which is, he talks about how difficult it is for somebody of fool's age, only a young boy, um, in the world at the moment. And he sums it up with this. Too old to get tit, too young to get ass. Which I think is probably similar to, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, Jane Eyre and uh, Charles Dickens. And, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful summation of where life is at the moment. Anyway, he, fool and Spencer... He has to convince Fool to do this, break into the house. They get out, but Spencer doesn't. So they go back in to try and find Spencer. Leroy is shot and Fool is stuck in the house. Now, this is where... That's basically the plot. There's a bit more later on, which I'll talk about. But the whole of the film really revolves around him trying to keep away from Mommy and Daddy finding the daughter and also finding some help from the people under the stairs who also 
live in the walls. More about that in a bit. But there is real cliffhanger thrills from this is a massive house. These two people are chasing me. Where can I go to get out? And there's an awful lot of chasing up and down um, corridors. They have a large uh, Rottweiler dog that they let out to chase him to. He's only a little lad. And it's wonderful work, actually, from the gentleman who plays uh, Fool, Brandon Adams. And it's uh, he's done other things. Done other things, too. Done bits and bobs. And in this performance... He, it's, he, he knows that he's in a difficult situation and he has the smarts to sort this out but that does not mean that he is in a heightened state of fear the whole time and it's really good the way that's played and really well paced by Wes Craven who gives you moments of solitude and safety and then immediately ramps up the danger. So, you know, to keep that going for quite a lot of the, uh, of the film, it's real, it shows a real sure-footedness and an understanding where to pitch that those thrills and where to pitch that terror. During his attempts to escape, as I say, he meets Alice and they meet Roach, who is one of the many children who live under the stairs, the people under the stairs. They're the ones who have breached the see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil line and been banished down there. They're all together in a pen and uh, Roach is the only one really who has broken free of that. He's had his tongue cut out because he spoke out and the rest of them have, uh, they're pale of course because they're in the dark the whole time and they have resorted to some cannibalistic, uh, some cannibalistic situation to keep themselves alive helped by Roach who is killed uh, as he helps them Alice and Fool uh, trick Daddy into stabbing his own dog and they do escape they get to an attic room in fact Fool escapes but Alice will not uh, jump out and it consequently is um, captured by Mommy and she meters out punishment, which is a boiling water bath, if I remember rightly, and quite disturbing it is. Fool it has been given a, a, a load of gold coins, which is part of, the, of Mummy and Daddy's hoard, which they keep in the house, which allows him to uh, pay for his mother's surgery and also to, uh, to help the community. He finds out about the family. He's vowed to go back and find Alice. He finds that they are real estate um, brokers and they have quite a lot of the property. They're actually brother and sister. And he reports them to child welfare. And while they're being reported by the police, while they're being looked at by the police, he sneaks in. He meets up again with Alice, who uh, is not their child. It, they stole her from their birth parents, as they have with the other children under, under the stairs. Mummy is dispatched. And Daddy finds Fall in the basement, but he sets off a load of explosives. And uh, because part of the house is um, one of their old businesses, which was a funeral business and has a crematorium in it, 
The money that they had in the house is blown through the crematorium chimney and the people of the ghetto take the money. Now that's a simple tale. It's a socialist tale. It's an anti-capitalist tale. It's a, a redistribution tale about people having lots of money and using capitalism to make more of it and robbing people and just taking things, taking children because that's what you do. And I got mine and that's the way it should be. Part of Reagan's America continued by the Bushes and Clinton actually. And if we want to say that, Obama too, who was linked to banking. So all of that, but certainly around this time in 91, when you've got Bush before Clinton comes in, this is about redistributing that money. These people are sitting on their money and it literally gets given to the community. And fool is not a character who says, you know what, I'm gonna buy me a car. I'm gonna buy me some new clothes. He sorts out his mother's uh, surgery and sets out to, to go back to right the wrongs that he sees there. So there's your basic plot and some of the ideas here, but actually the performances are what is good. Up front you have Ving Rhames, who's very laconic here, and uh, the performance of a fool makes you makes you believe that there is a better way. Very open, Brandon Adams. Even though he's streetwise, he's very he's very open in this way. But the reason why I'm reviewing this and revisiting it is because of the two performances of Wendy Roby as Mommy. Mrs. Robeson and Everett McGill as Daddy, Eldon Robeson. Because, yes, they're brother and sister, they look similar, they're wiry, they're thin, they're pinched, and their performances are just, well, they are very ballsy performances. They are unhinged right from the beginning. Everett McGill has a look of David Byrne about him. He has a twitchy, neurotic feel. Wendy Roby is constantly paranoid, particularly when the police come and they have to make nice. And you know, and the police really know, that they are just doing that because they are here. But some of the activities, once they start to chase fool and understand that he is being helped by Roach who is uh, someone they've been trying to catch and kill for many years he's the bane of their lives he's a freedom fighter once they realize that the hunt is on that particularly affects daddy in a certain way yes he has the dog with him but he favours a shotgun and it becomes sport. It's a safari. And as they become more unhinged, it's a bit like mouse hunt really, as they become more unhinged, the house, which is of course 
a character of its own and they are stuck in the house they never go out the money is in the house they don't know what to do with it apart from make more of it as they chase fool it's an extraordinary situation which in a way opens them up to having some fun and that particular kind of fun means that daddy is shooting up the walls at one point he dresses all in leather with the shotgun just to add a bit of excitement you know this is a quirk of his particularly and he has an unhinged delight at this there is a scene where he thinks he's shot fool or roach and he starts on a kind of feverish dance just singing i got him 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 wendy robia's mummy is is never allows him to celebrate much joy says you got to make sure and she rules this particular roost there's also a lovely moment where again he's shooting and thinking thinking that he can that he's hit somebody and he has an exultant cry of gotcha gotcha now these are big performances they could overbalance this movie but absolutely not they make this movie because they are the reason we are here it is about the people under the stairs and in the end those people rebel and mommy and daddy particularly daddy dies in a certain horrible way but this is about what happens when you don't open yourself up to life these people live by certain rules they enter into society through money and so they're afforded some kind of comfort and some kind of mystique and they're elevated in that way because that's all that matters isn't it no because you lose your humanity and therefore you create your own rules and very specifically and very obviously because sometimes you need to be hit over the head Wes Craven has set out to do this by putting it in this house where you make your own rules and the house is living with you and as the house gets destroyed these people are being destroyed as well two extraordinary performances both Everett McGill and Wendy Roby have done uh, work uh, they've worked fairly regularly but they've not become you know the big exciting stars that i think these performances merit and i reckon that's because when you perform big performances performances that have no fear a bit like Jessica Walter in Play Misty for me which is another movie that i'll want to revisit people say oh you did that and they recognize you from that and we don't think we can give you any work because they recognize you from that
And that's such a shame because they are at the heart of this movie's message, if you like. The action, certainly, but this movie's message too, which is that if you lock yourself away and you don't connect, then you will decay. Your world around you will eventually decay and you will decay from the inside. These are big performances and we are not allowed that much subtlety with them because they are ciphers to a certain extent. So we know that when we see them, there's something wrong. They don't um, live by the rules that some of us do and that's often not a problem, but sometimes it is and it is in this movie. To keep that going and to enjoy that oddness, but to keep the reality of the rules in that house, that heightened reality going for that much of the movie. It takes some real work and particularly Everett McGill as daddy. It's something very special. It made a load of money when it came out. Budget was thought to be around six million. It made about 34, 35 which is a really successful movie. And quite rightly so. Simple story, if you just want to do the chase story, if you want to talk about the chase, it's a thriller in that way, but there's so much more to it than that. This is a five out of five. And when it came out, people did talk about the satire, and that's good that it's not just been missed. And Wes Craven has said that, um, in an interview, that this is, with Fangoria, that this is... Uh, about a, a movie about a, a couple that shouldn't exist, but sadly do. But it's about why they exist that's really important. And this is a satire and a message about the hoarding of money and what that does to you. And it's again prescient for this time because the 1%, even in these coronavirus issues where you're afraid of your job or afraid for your job, those 1% have still got this have still got the money. And if it carries on like this, people are going to take some kind of action. And so this movie is a good accompaniment to that feeling. Have a look at it. I hope you'll agree. Ta-ta.